Hi, and welcome back to Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walker. And I'm Judy Brooks. And if you're just joining us, our focus here is holistic wellness, and that means the latest in natural ways to help us all live healthier, happier, and longer. In recent years, a new challenge has developed to that living longer goal we just talked about. The problem is what's called antimicrobial resistance. Now, what we're talking about is the growing problem of bacteria that are now resistant to the drugs that used to deal with all of them. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says 23,000 Americans die every year because of this. And the director of the CDC says antimicrobial resistance is, quote, one of our most serious health threats. 23,000 Americans die every year right now, and it's unfortunately only getting worse. So to help us understand what we might individually be able to do to protect ourselves from this growing danger, we've invited microbiologist Karan Krishnan to join us on today's show. Karan is an expert on the immune system, and he's the developer of the Just Thrive probiotic, which clinical trials are showing is very effective in supporting our immune system. So, Karan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, Karan, as a microbiologist, what's your view of the threat posed by this antimicrobial resistance thing we've been talking about? You know, to me, it's one of the most serious threats we face as a population to to our health and wellness. Uh, If you look at the history of medicine, one of the most profound discoveries in the history of medicine that increased longevity, improved quality of life, was the discovery of penicillin. Mm-hmm. And the discovery of penicillin by a microbiologist um, was, gave us the ability to fight off common illnesses that would have typically killed people, but be able to get rid of those conditions and, and infections within a matter of days um, instead of succumbing to them in a matter of months. And we are moving towards this time where we're going to be living in what we call a post-antibiotic world. Um, you know, our, our, our ability to handle disease and our longevity was dramatically affected when we went from a pre-antibiotic world to an antibiotic world. Now we're moving into this world where we're going to a post-antibiotic world where none of the common antibiotics are effective against mm-hmm. common infections. Wow. Yeah, and we're not talking about really exotic things like, no. uh, like Ebola. You know, we're talking about common infections like staph infections that you pick up at the gym or um, at school or workplace. Or the hospital. Um, or <laughs> so the hospital, of course. Yeah, you know, yeah. any common infection that is now antibiotic resistance can take lives uh, and, and in a horrific way. You know, these, these are not... Um, you know, the types of illnesses that people want to get because you really suffer through these. Is a lot of this because of all the antibiotics that they're giving to the cattle and they're giving right. to animals? Yeah, that's a factor. There's a couple different factors. In fact, I would say three factors that, that, are, that are major drivers of the issue. Number one is the overuse of antibiotics for non-bacterial infections. Even the CDC estimates that about 50% of the antibiotic prescriptions written for humans are for uh, illnesses that antibiotics cannot help. They're typically viral infections, for example, and this is done a lot more in kids than in adults. Um, You know, imagine you're a parent and you're bringing your screaming, suffering child into the pediatrics office and the child has a really bad cold or viral infection. Um, But the but the parent really needs and wants something uh, in terms of medication to be able to leave the doctor's office with, because then they'll feel like they're they're getting their uh, improvement in their child's health. 
when in reality um, an antibiotic prescription is not really going to do anything, but the pediatricians actually feel pressure to write a script in order to satisfy the parents. So that's one issue is the overuse for non-bacterial infections. The second issue is people not finishing their course of antibiotics. You know, you're given a 10-day course. After three days, you feel better, and so you forget about it. Uh, giving the bacteria within your system just a small dose of antibiotics allows them to develop resistance to it rather than finishing the course. Wow. Now, the third one is what you guys mentioned, is the dramatic overuse of it in food, especially in the meat industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the estimates say that we use over 90 different antibiotics in the meat industry, none of which have really been tested um, for their long-term effects and so on. So there, there is a significant overuse in the meat industry, which is a breeding ground for antibiotic resistance. Yeah, I, I can't resist saying right now that um, uh, our mutual friends at the Weston A. Price Foundation that would say this is another example of why you ought to have grass-fed, pasture-raised whenever possible. If you're just joining us, I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and you're listening to Healing Quest. And we're talking with microbiologist Karan Krishna about how we can deal with the growing problem of antibiotics that don't work as well as they used to. So, Karan, what can I do like right now to, to try to deal with this? Yeah, you know, one of the big things uh, you guys mentioned is the use and, and selection of antibiotic-free meat products. Uh, more and more companies are offering that now when, when it comes to poultry and, and swine and beef as well. Um, I think as the consumers make those choices, it, it puts pressure on producers to stop using antibiotics. That'll be a significant help. The other thing is to, um, to be very careful when you're, when you're ill and really talk to your doctor about whether or not the illness has anything to do with the bacteria or is it likely a virus? Mm-hmm. You know, in kids, for example, one of the most common uses of antibiotics is for ear infections. Mm-hmm. And yet some of the estimates are that more than 60, 70 percent of ear infections are actually viral, which which the the, the antibacterial or um, antibiotic won't even help. Mm. You know, and so it becomes really important to, to be very careful um, as to the selection and use of antibiotics for the right type of illness. Uh, last thing is to really maintain your immune system and your health and, and using good bacteria that can control the bad bacteria. Well, I have a question about that. I know, obviously, I've always heard that when you finish taking your antibiotic, then that's when you start to take your probiotic. But other doctors right. I've heard say, not true. As long as you separate them by two or three hours, you should be taking the probiotic at the same time. What would you say to that? You know, so the vast majority of probiotics on the market will be killed off by the antibiotics or antimicrobials that one is taking. Um, So the vast majority of probiotics aren't really going to help even during the course of of, uh, antibiotic treatment, even if you separate it by two or three hours. Now, and that's why the, the spores are so important. So the spores are um, are stable in the presence of antibiotics. We actually did a 60-patient clinical trial on liver failure patients who take an antibiotic called rifaximin every day of their lives um, forever. And this antibiotic costs them around $2,500 a month to take. Right? And it's one of the most powerful antibiotics in terms of killing off bacteria in the gut because it was initially developed as an antibiotic for traveler's diarrhea. 
Now, that is the most stressful situation to put a probiotic through. And our spore-based probiotics that we use in, in products like Thrive were able to be stable, taken exactly at the same time with the antibiotic. So it's about the right choice. It's about the right probiotic. If you use the spore-based probiotic, it works perfectly well in the presence of antibiotics. The vast majority of other probiotics will not. The only other one that can help is Saccharomyces boulardii. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Karan. This is a lot to digest, so to speak. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> uh, but, no uh, pun intended. No, 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 no. And, uh, and I it. took my probiotic this morning. Thank you for helping adjust our probiotic because Judy and I take it every day, and we really think it's an important part of keeping us healthy. So for all that you did to develop that, I just want you to know there's a couple of customers out there that appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And one last message is the vast majority of bacteria we will come in contact with and, and of course, that live in our system are good for you. So over 99% of the bacteria are either benign or beneficial. Less than 1% of bacteria you ever come in contact with are actually bad for you. So the best way of controlling those harmful bacteria is by boosting the good guys. They do a better job than any other chemical we can put into our system. So focusing on increasing our good guys is a huge benefit to us down the road. Well, that's a great last thought to leave with our listeners. Thank you so much, Karan. It's always nice to talk to you, and we really appreciate you enlightening us to the growing danger of antibiotics that don't work as well as they used to because of bacteria that are now increasingly resistant to all those antibiotics. So, As we mentioned, the, the probiotics are a regular part of our routine. But I have to say, so this whole kind of thing of probiotics was, was one of the first big ahas I had when we really started uh, looking into ways, uh, natural ways to keep us healthy. Mm-hmm. And I remember I actually I at one point went to um, Japan to do a story on Ochiro Ohira, who was one of, the, one of the amazing developers of probiotics. But in the course of doing that and talking to all kinds of experts, I came to the conclusion that the probiotic might be the single most important pill we take every day. Well, that's what we've heard from doctors. Yeah, yeah. That so was, you came to the same conclusion that a lot of them did. <laughs> That's no, what, I, what I heard many of them say. Yes. You know, all those vitamins, all that other good stuff that, that you take is all really good. But the one, if you only had to pick one, because the probiotic, it, you know, keeps our digestive system healthy and our immune system healthy. And that's the most important thing we can do for ourselves. That's right. So all of you out there, have you had your probiotic? That's the message from Roy and Judy. (laughs) Up next, we're going to follow up on a a good Sacramento cause that we've been telling you about in recent weeks. They've just held a big fundraiser, and the news is very good. And don't forget, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest episodes are available at kfpk.com and on our website at healingquest.tv. And also, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest on KFPK and iHeartRadio. 